All right. I want to draw your attention to verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, And beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right there we have a list of things that need to be in our life if we're going to be fruitful Christians. If we're actually going to accomplish something, we need to add something to our life. One of the reasons we have church is because we don't want you to just get saved and go to heaven. We would like for you to be fruitful as Christians. We'd like for you to reproduce. We'd like for you to start doing some start being more like Christ. One of these days He's going to return and He's going to make us all like Him. But in the meantime, we ought to be purifying ourselves. And one of the things, I'm just, going to really, I'm just going to focus on one thing that's mentioned in here that we're supposed to be adding to our faith that we see in verse 6. It says, to knowledge temperance. All right? Temperance is something that we ought to be adding in our life. Something that we ought to be growing in something we are getting better at. Temperance is something that is very lacking in American culture. It is a big problem. And that word temperance, it just means moderation or habitual moderation in regard to the indulgence of the natural appetites and passions. You know, restrained or moderate indulgence. You know, there are some things that we, are na- that we naturally like, that we are naturally attracted to and we ought to be able to control ourselves with those things, alright? I'm sure y'all are like me and your eyes light up every time you drive by Dairy Queen. But, you know, should we stop and eat at Dairy Queen every time we, you know, drive by Dairy Queen? You know, we all, our eyes all light up when you go just through Walmart and what do they do? They put all just the easy lust of the flesh right there, alright? They got, that's where they have the soda and the coolers right there, all cold and just ready to drink, you know. You could buy it cheaper, if you just walked a short distance and you bought it you know, off the counter, if you bought a bunch of them, and then you took it home and you put it in your own refrigerator, you would save a lot of money, but you know what? You'd have to wait a little bit. You'd have to wait till you got home and you'd have to wait till your refrigerator cooled it off. But you know what? I can pay that a little bit extra. I can have it right now. You know, they've got the sodas there, they've got the candy bars there, all the candy. They have the alcohol, they've got the cigarettes right there where you're checking out. That's where they have all their nasty magazines and things. I mean, right there, all the things that appeal to people's flesh, I mean, just boom, right there. Why do they do that? That's just marketing. And it's successful marketing. It works. You know why? Because Americans don't have any temperance. It's just, it's not, it is not a common thing with us. There, so there are some things that in itself, it's not bad. It's not a sin. It's that I, I don't think you're not right with God if you eat some junk food every now and then. But you know what? You better have some temperance with that. You know, I don't think you're a bad person if you go and you have the money to just, you know, do something nice for yourself. You know, and go eat a fancy dinner at a fancy restaurant. Go ahead and do some of that stuff. But, you know, do you really need to be doing that all the time? Do you need to do all your meals there? Do you really want to spend that much of your money on that type of thing? I'm not saying you can't have a treat every now and then. But you know, I'm not saying you can never sleep in. But should you sleep in every single day? You know, I'm not saying you can never do anything to entertain yourself. But folks, our country, I mean, we've got to be entertained 24-7. I mean, people can't walk down the streets, you know, with 
their earbuds in and watching a movie on their phone. I mean, they advertise it that way. When it comes to movies and things for kids, you know, they'll show they'll show on these commercials little kids at the park on their iPod watching a movie at a park. I they I mean, it's like no wonder kids are so fat these days. If they're going to parks and instead of climbing around, they're watching movies. Listen, I'm not saying you can never do some of that stuff, but good night. Let them go to the park. You know, the, the one Disney DVD commercial you see all the time, every time I'd see it, I was like, skip it. Skip it. I hate, I hate this commercial. This kid's talking about you know watching movies at the beach and at the playground. And I'm thinking, that is ridiculous. Welcome to America, though. You can't even go into McDonald's. And there's like 14 TVs in there, 14 different stations on. People can't even sit in a fast food restaurant where they're supposed to just go in and eat and get out without watching TV while they're there. Why? We overindulge in everything. That is who we are as Americans, but that's not who we should be as Christians. We should not be just these spoiled brats that just everything we want, we take. Everything we want, we just got to have it. Stuffing our faces with things, just what, whatever. It is disgusting. And you, know, you want to see a great display of this disgustingness, if that's even a word, is go to Black Friday. Watching people who have six TVs in their house fight over TVs. Because they want to get one that's three inches bigger than their other one. So they can be even more lazy the next year. They're going to go on Black Friday... This year, people are going to go into Walmart. They're going to stand in line so they can fight over televisions, $3 DVDs, so they can sit around and be pathetic and lazy for the next couple of months during the holidays, only so on January they can all go on their diets again. They're going to fail once again. And it's just this vicious cycle that people do every year. And you say, how is this happening? I'll tell you why. It's because Americans are controlled by media and television. Some of you, you feel like you're a loser if you're not out there on Black Friday fighting over stuff. That's just what we do as Americans. That's what we do as losers. All right. That's what we do as a country that's going down the toilet. All right. And I don't have to go along with. It. I'm not saying you can't go look for a deal. Some people do it. It's fun. It's exciting. You know, they're not you know losing their cool because somebody beat them to the television or stuff, something like that. I'm not saying you can't go out in those days, but I am saying that mess that you see out there, I don't want to have any part of. All right, that you know, I watched the one year we went out there. This so I was like, you know, what? I'm done with this. First off, I went out there. I got freaked out. It was one, of, you know, like just some of the people that were there. There was this one girl that was there. All right, it was a girl, but she thought she was a guy. All right, and she was wearing these gangbanger pants, these gangbanger baggy pants. And I saw her. She's like running for these DVDs, holding her pants up. You know, because you, you know, when you wear gangbanger pants like that, you can't run. But she was like, she's running around holding her pants up, trying to you know, hang on to all these DVDs. And I'm just like. Our country's done. You know, I was just like, we're 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 done for. All right, when when a, whatever that was is running around, so you should make fun of people whose pants don't fit. You know, well, you know what? They also have jeans on Black Friday for like eleven bucks. All right, and you know what? If she hadn't been buying all those DVDs, she could have went and bought her some pants that fit. All right, but so you know, I'm not making fun of her for being poor. I think that was her style choice. And you know what? She could have got more DVDs 
if she'd have wore pants that fit, because she could have carried them with two arms. But anyway, you know that. So she she defeated the purpose right there. That doesn't make sense, folks. But pe- people do it. I said, why? Why do people? Why do? Why does everybody take things so far? Okay, I understand styles. They do weird things. You know, you had the baggy pants. All right wore things a little, you know, more loose fitting, but then it just grew into these massive baggy things, all right? Now, it's gone to something even worse. It's gone to the skinny jeans. You know, now they're so tight, you know, I don't know how the people get any circulation to where they're able to walk anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's that bad. They always take things to extreme. That is what we do in our country. And temperance, it is. It's just a forgotten character trait. You know, our, our country can't do anything in moderation. Okay, it's summertime. You go to Speedway, you can buy a 54-ounce soda for like 89 cents. You know, how, I mean, how, how is that going to help the obesity problem in America? And then our country's so dumb that what does everybody do? Well, we can't have Speedway selling, you know, 54-ounce sodas for 89 cents. Let's call on the government to tax it. And you know what? In Ireland, okay, the people in Ireland are smaller than they are in the United States. And you know what? So is all their food portions and their sodas. And I couldn't find Dr. Pepper to save my life when I was in Ireland. That's one of the reasons that country's going down the tubes, too. But I, I will say that country's not as fat as the United States either. I will also say, too, one of, one of the things they do, they, they have a heavy tax on the sugary drinks. I think Chicago's doing that. They tax like one cent an ounce. Now, say, so, well, that would fix the you know, obesity problem. But here's the thing. Whoever said it was the government's job to teach the people temperance. What is the government's job according to the Bible? It's the punishment of evildoers. Okay? Now, I'm not hurting other people when I'm chugging a 54-ounce soda. Okay? But I am hurting myself. And you know what? It's a sad day when normal people, supposedly free people, need to ask the government to regulate their diet. Why is our country demanding that? Because our country has no temperance at all. They don't know how to say no to anything. And you know what? We ought to be growing in that. Young people struggle with this type of thing. You know, young, you have to teach your kids not to just eat all the candy they want, not to drink all the soda they want. Now, as adults, most, we don't usually need to be told that. Okay? When you get to a certain age, alright, you know your body pretty well. Okay? I know if I go and I drink two or three monsters before I go to bed, I'm not going to sleep real good that night, so I don't want to do it. All right? I know that if I just go and I eat all the sugar, I, I know exactly how I'm going to pay for it. I know exactly how food is going to affect me before I eat it. Young people don't always know that. That's why parents, you kind of need to regulate their diet. That's one of the reasons, too, they have the age limits when it comes to drinking and things. All right? Now, I think it's always bad to drink alcohol, but one of the reasons that they have put the uh, age limits on it is because young people, they don't know when to stop. They haven't learned any temperance. A lot of older people that are experienced drinkers, I'm not excusing any drinking, but at least many of them know when to stop. But most of the time when you hear about alcohol poisoning and people drinking themselves to death, you know who it usually is? Teenagers. Why? Because they have not learned any temperance. And this is something that needs to be taught. The answer is not for the government to step in and control everything. You know, that's not the answer. We don't need the big taxes. You know what we need? We need people practicing temperance. That's what we need. 
And at Christian people especially, we shouldn't be struggling so much with this. But I'm telling you, you know, Christian people, unfortunately, are just not the exception when it comes to temperance these days. It's very, it's very clear. And so a major theme of our life should be temperance. Now turn over to Acts chapter 24. I want to show you uh, some Scriptures uh, that I think will be helpful on this subject. But Acts chapter 24, verse 24, it says, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. This was one of the things that Paul preached to people. I mean, and notice where he preached this, uh, you know, kind of the order. You know, he reasoned with them of righteousness, alright? How do we get righteousness? We get righteousness through faith. We get righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, okay? Not from keeping the law. It's, the Bible's very clear that Paul did not teach that righteousness came from keeping the law because we can't keep the law. He taught it was from faith in Jesus Christ. But, is our salvation is that something that we're supposed to just take now and then just say, I don't care about the law. I'm just going to do whatever I want now. No. You know what we need to do? We need to practice temperance. We need to have some self-control. We need to, uh, you know, we need to have some good actions that are good. We shouldn't just do whatever we want. Just because you have a temper doesn't mean you ought to go around punching people. Well, it's just who I am. Well, that's the same excuse all the perverts use. This is what I, this is just what I'm attracted to, therefore it's okay. No, it's not okay. Okay? If somebody's attracted to killing people, that's not okay. If they're attracted to just punching somebody in the nose, that's not okay. You know what you need to do? You need to control yourself. You need to have some temperance, and it's the same thing for Christians. Yes, our righteousness is through our faith in Jesus Christ. We've received imputed righteousness, but you know one thing we're going to preach in this church? We're going to preach temperance. We're going to tell you as a Christian that you ought to follow the Holy Spirit, that you ought to walk in the Spirit, so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you're going to have to understand these this, this fleshly desires that we have are never going to go away until we receive our glorified bodies. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to practice temperance. We're going to try to teach how you control yourself and how you can keep out of trouble, how you can keep from giving in to the flesh because this flesh isn't going anywhere. You're always going to desire things that are bad and things that are sinful. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Because Paul, you know, he's been talking about how salvation is not of works. He's been talking about how it's of faith, that it's just by believing. He's been talking about that through the book of Romans. So people might get the wrong idea, as they often do. People who hear preaching and they'll hear how you know, we preach salvation. It's by grace. It's through faith. It's not of works. You can never lose your salvation. And they're like, well, then you're just saying you should just go get saved and just go do whatever you want. Well, it says in Romans 6, 1, because apparently there were some idiots back in Paul's day thinking the same thing. And it said, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Remember what Paul said? He said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Listen, I do. I am sinful. I abound in sin. But grace abounds much more. Anywhere where I lack, grace makes up for it because of Jesus Christ. So I will still go into heaven. But you know what? God forbid. 
Okay, God forbid that I would have this attitude that I can just do whatever I want just because I'm saved. That right there is just a wicked attitude. You know, I, I would hope God would stop me from doing that. I know He wouldn't take away my salvation, but you know what? I do believe a Christian can get to a point where God's like, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm done with you. And you know, we can we can commit that sin, and uh, you know, that would cause you know God might take our life. We see a man in the Bible who had his father's wife, and Paul said we're going to deliver him over to Satan to the for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That man was still going to go to heaven, but he's like, you know, if he's not going to repent, we're going to kick him out of the church. He's going to be delivered over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And you know what? That could happen to me if I just have this rotten attitude. I'm just going to do whatever I want because I'm saved and I can't lose my salvation. If I do that, I'm a bad example. I make the cause of Christ look bad. And you know what? I hope before I'd ever do anything like that, God would say, you know what? I'm going to get you out of the way. And just, you know, let me die of a car wreck or something like that. I would hope that would happen to me before I would ever do anything like that. Christians are not to take advantage of the grace of God. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. In Romans 7 and 8, it talks a lot about the Spirit versus the flesh. But it says in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. I don't owe my flesh anything, alright? And let me just stop here for a minute too. All these commercials that you're listening to that says, you know, hey, go buy yourself this thing that you deserve. Give yourself the break that you deserve. The meal that you deserve. Why do you deserve it? You know what? I don't owe my flesh anything. You know what? That's what he's saying. We are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. Oh, yeah, you know, my flesh, it really wants the Cheesecake Factory today. And, you know, and I, I just feel like I deserve that. Oh, really? Your flesh deserves... Your flesh is what gets you in trouble all the time. Your flesh is why you were sinful. Your flesh is why you needed a Savior. Your flesh is why your wages were death. But you know what? It was Jesus Christ that paid for your sins. It was Jesus Christ that cleansed you of that. You know what? If we're a debtor to anybody, we're a debtor to Christ, not to our flesh. Our flesh, it just condemned us. So you know what? I'm not saying you can ever go to the Cheesecake Factory. But you know what? You don't owe your flesh to Cheesecake Factory. And you might have a desire to do some sin. You might have a desire for some thing of the flesh that God has forbidden. You might even desire some things for your flesh that aren't necessarily sins, but are things that you can't afford. You might think that you deserve the nicest cars and the nicest houses and all those things. And many people, they've convinced themselves that they deserve it, so they leave the will of God seeking for the extra dollar so they can have these extra items that they have decided that they deserve. But you know what, folks? You don't owe your flesh a thing. And if you desire things in your flesh that go against the will of God, you know what? You don't have to fulfill those things. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill those things. And guess what? Here's, here's the dirty little secret that the devil doesn't want you to know. When you follow after the things of the Spirit, you will find them more satisfying and them more fulfilling than the things of the flesh. Because the other secret the devil doesn't want you to know is your flesh can never be satisfied. It'll never be satisfied. Many people do, that struggle with the sexual sins. They think... You know, if I just had this other woman, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. And there would be another one after that. Another one after that. 
And it gets to the point, some people, they just give their, they keep giving their flesh everything they want and they just keep wanting more. And you know what happens? They just get downright perverted to where they're going after the same sex, to where they're going after children, to where they're going after even animals and things. I mean, just wicked, disgusting stuff. You know why? Because the flesh can never be satisfied. It can't be. And you know what? You don't owe your flesh a thing. You're not a debtor. To, we're not debtors to the flesh. It says in verse 13, it says, For if ye live after the flesh... Ye shall die, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together... And you say, well, I don't like the sound of that. Alright? I mean, these things that my flesh wants, I could see how they would make me happy. I could see how they would bring fulfillment. But walking after the Spirit, the Bible talks a lot about suffering. It talks about a lot of bad things that my flesh doesn't like. But look what it says. Okay, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's what we've got to focus on. There's something better coming. Listen, that donut. Alright? Yes, there's some satisfaction that comes with eating a donut. And I ate two of them this morning, alright? So, but at the same time, do you know what I'm going to get for that? I'm going to get, you know, probably an extra pound or something. Alright? That, that's, that's the glory that I'm going to get from the extra donuts. Alright? I'm going to get extra weight. Alright, I'm gonna have, you know, extra I don't understand all the science stuff. One of these days, all the soda and donuts and things is gonna gonna get diabetes or something like that. But at the same time, I've not received anything glorious as a result of that. I have received some immediate satisfaction. Same thing with when it comes to the sins of this world, there might be some immediate satisfaction, but you know what? A lot of it's going to be for the bad. A lot of it's going to go away. A lot of the people that go after these sexual things, you know what their glory is that they receive from it? An STD. Okay? That, that's what they get as a result of it. You know what a lot of women get as a result of it? An unwanted pregnancy. Only so they can go from being a fornicator to then you know, aborting it and becoming a murderer in the eyes of God. You know, that, that's, the, that's the kind of thing that they get out of it. But you know, when we suffer for Christ... While we get nothing necessarily on this earth, you know what we get in the future? We can't even, we don't even, we can't even imagine what we're going to get in the future. The glory that's going to be revealed later, it's going to be great. And you know what? We're going to look back on that time and we're going to be, we're going to thank God that we said no to the things of the flesh. We're going to, we're going to be so thankful that we followed after Him. And so we just need to do this now. Follow it by faith. Don't worry about the things of the flesh. So look what it says in Romans 7 and verse 18. Because see, our flesh is not naturally temperate. Okay? Some of you have, you know, we, we have, we've learned temperance and it is a little more natural to us when it comes to certain things. Okay? Uh, you know, we, we know better. We know the consequences of, you know, as much as my wife loves coffee, she doesn't usually drink coffee at night because she knows she won't sleep very good. If she, if, if she does that, you know, and it's not like this huge fight to not drink coffee at night because, you know, when you know it's going to have a negative impact, 
you're not as willing to uh, get involved in that. Like I said, but it, it does, you know, temperance doesn't come natural. It's something we've got to learn. It says in Romans 7.18, Paul said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, and how to perform that which is good I find not. The Apostle Paul, he understood there was nothing good about his flesh. And it was hard for him to find out how to do that which was good. And when he was talking about that, how to, you know, how to do that which is good I find not, He's just saying, I'm trying to find a way to make this easy. I'm trying to find a way to do the right things for all the right reasons. But you know what? Even when I do good, I mean, sin is present with me. This flesh, it's always in the way. Always. It's always in the way. And so it's not going to be, it's not going to come natural. You're not going to just feel like being temperate. You have to force yourself to be temperate. You've got to teach yourself to do these things. And we've got, we've got to learn to stop ourselves from overindulging in things. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 25. I like these verses right here because that's one of the big problems that we have too. You know, over overindulging. Okay, babies often overindulge. You know, Kelly she regularly overs and overindulges. She doesn't know when to stop, and then that's why you know they regularly spit up. You know, they just you know you and I we know what would cause us to throw up. We know when we're getting to that line. So, you know, we, we just naturally stop because we hate the thought of throwing up. All right? That's like one of the worst things that, that you can do. But little babies, they don't know any better. They don't have any experience. They just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and eat until all of a sudden they just literally can't anymore. And then what happens five minutes later? Just blah, you know, all over the place. You know, and I had that happen. I think it was Chloe. It was at one of my wife's grandparents' funeral. She was just a baby. Brand new suit. Brand new suit. And I mean, it wasn't just that little baby spit up. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a massive amount. It was disgusting. You know, why? She was a baby. Didn't know when to say no. Okay? It doesn't come natural to them, but you do. You learn that. You learn those things over time. But in Proverbs 25, 17, or 16, it says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomited. Okay? Honey, it's a good thing. Alright? That was kind of like the sugar of their day. You know, that was that that was something that was sweet that they liked. And we still have that today, but it's just not as good as fake sugar, I guess, so nobody eats it. But anyway, you know, my wife likes it a lot. But he's saying when you find it, okay, you found a good thing, but don't go crazy on it. Okay, eat what is sufficient, otherwise you're going to go and you're going to vomit it up later. And then the next verse it says, Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. Okay? Listen, it's nice to have company sometimes, and it's nice to be company sometimes. But, you know what you need to learn to do? You need to learn when to go home. Alright? You know, if you go over to somebody's house and they're sitting there and they keep yawning, and they keep looking at their watch, okay, take a hint and go home. Maybe they're too polite to send you home, but what's going to happen? You're going to stay there. You're not going to. You'll be considerate of their considerate of their feelings, and you know what? They're never going to invite you back again. And while you had a good thing, while you had a good time of fellowship, okay, it is. It's good to get together. It's good to have some fellowship and have some fun. But you know what? You can have too much fun sometimes. And some people, they just don't know when to quit anything. And you, sometimes you got to just learn to take a hint and say, "All right." This was good. We had fun. I wish we could have more fun. But I would rather us want to have more fun so we'll want to do it again someday than to have so much fun that we're like, I don't ever want to do that again. 
You, you've got to learn when to stop. Some people just don't know when to stop. They just, they just keep on going. And just like some people, when it comes to eating, they don't know when to stop. And the next thing you know, they're throwing it up later. Some people, they, you know, they do. They'll have, they'll have fun. They go over. They're fellowshipping, but they just don't know when to leave. They don't know when to take a hint. You've got to be able to figure that stuff out and not just be overindulging. We've got to be sensitive to other people. Okay? You know, pay attention to other people's needs. Don't, you know, don't do these things that, you know, you're, cause you're, you're just so focused on yourself, you're not considering how you're making others around you feel. Okay? You might be having a great time, but if you're the only one having a great time, there's a problem. Okay? You need to learn when to stop. But that takes some temperance. We need to put safeguards in place. I like this verse too in Proverbs 23. It says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Okay, now what's he talking about here? Is it saying we, you know, we can't have a good meal? No, I think what he's talking about here, you know, when you're, if you're eating with a ruler, alright? Don't let someone go and just put this fancy spread before you, maybe like trying to win you over, trying to influence you. You know, don't be deceived by their dainty meats. Okay? Maybe some king, he's wanting this guy to be in alliance with him, so he's trying to win him over, so what does he do? You know, he brings out all that, you know, this fancy meal. You know, maybe he tells them, hey, you're willing to work with me, you can have dinner with me. Maybe you sh- and you know you see that steak there, and you see the baked potatoes and uh, all those wonderful things. You know, like I know I shouldn't work with this guy, but I'd really like to have that meal. You know what the Bible says? Put a knife to your throat. Okay. Now sometimes people go a little over literal with the Bible. I mean, do, do we really think that God wants us? You know, whenever we're tempted in a situation to like carry a knife with us everywhere we go, so we can be ready to put it to our throat and just. You know, when you're before that king and he tells you, you know, he's trying to tempt you with that. You know, you pull the knife out. And like, I'm sorry, I want to, but if, if I do, I'm going to have to slip my throat. All right. All right. What's he saying right there? He's, he's basically telling you, hey, put some safeguards in place. You know what? Do whatever you've got to do to stop yourself from doing the, right, doing the wrong thing. Don't let your stomach control your decisions. I mean, listen, you shouldn't have to put a knife to your throat. Okay, but you ought to do some. You, there are there should be some things. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take for some, but you do. There, you might need to do some things. All right, if you are, if you're that given to appetite, where somebody can get you to do the wrong thing for a meal, maybe you need to carry some pills around with you to give you a stomachache. You know, I'm um, being tempted. You know, whatever. I mean, whatever. You shouldn't need to do any of that. But some people, you would be better off doing that. You would be better off taking a pill that makes you sick to the stomach than you would be giving in. To temptation just because they place some meat before you. Okay, that's that is uh, that is not the way we should be. Where we can just be tempted by every little thing in the flesh. We ought to have enough temperance to say no and to do the right thing. And you know what? I guess if it takes a, you know, a knife, then you don't want use the knife. All right, don't slit really slit your throat. I really don't think that's what God wants us to do. But I think He has shown us just how serious this is. So. Something we need to understand: anything that anything great that's ever done, it's going to require some temperance. 
A lot of people think that they're just going to get in shape by just signing up for Weight Watchers. You know, they, some people think they're going to get in shape by joining a gym. You know what? I could go buy a membership to every gym in town. It's not going to do me a bit of good if I don't ever go to them. Okay? I can sign up for Weight Watchers and you know count my calories, but if it doesn't actually change what I do, it's not going to fix a thing. And it says in 1 Corinthians 9:24 because many people think I'm just I'm going to you know I'm going to get this perfect figure. I'm going to do all these things, but I'm not going to put any effort into it. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9:24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. All right, if you're going to run a race, try to win it. And every man that striveth for the mastery, all right, if you actually want to win, if you actually want to be the top person, it says everyone that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Okay, you know what that means? They're going to be temperate in their eating. They're going to be temperate in what they drink. They're going to be temperate in their exercise program they have and their activities that they do. They're going to be temperate in those things because they understand that if they're not, that it's going to hinder their ability to win that race. You know, whenever I run in races, I don't go to McDonald's and you know order the big breakfast and an extra apple pie and drink a soda before I go run in a race. That would greatly hinder me if I did that type of thing. You know what? I'm moderate in those situations. And I need to see some races. I always do real good on my diet and exercise when I actually have a race coming up. I did a race at the beginning of this year and I got down to a low weight and then the race was over and I put on like 10 pounds. And so it's like, I need, I need, a, I need a sign. I, I, I have to have things like that to motivate me. Because you know what? I'm not always real temperate. And you, you got to have goals. That and that, you know, we're all different. We all have different temptations. It's it, whatever you've got to do, you need to do it. But the anything, if if we're going to strive, if we're going to actually accomplish something, we've got to be temperate in all things. And we do. We expect certain roles in society and in the church to be though, you know, by people who have some temperance. You know, you want. Uh, you know our congressmen and our police officers, and you want them to have some temperance, okay? You want them to have some self-control. Do you, do we really want police around here that just fly off the handle and lose their temper all the time? Okay, they carry guns and tasers. I don't want them losing it on me. They could do some serious harm. I hope they get guys that know how to keep their cool. And I'm always impressed when I see these videos of cops and there's just people being belligerent to them. And they just stand there, just completely keeping their cool. I I think that is so Chuck Norris. You know, I mean, that's just that that's that's awesome when I see that. You know what I'm not impressed with is when I do see him just completely fly off the handle and lose it. I think they ought to fire those buzzards that do that. They need to have some temperance. And you know what? It's the same thing too when it comes to the office of a bishop or a pastor. They ought to have some temperance. It says, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Temperate. A bishop ought to have some self-control. It says in uh, Titus 2.1, An elder in the church ought to have some temperance. It's name and all, you know, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate. And that's something that God wants from the older men in the church. Some temperance. It says in Galatians 5, verses 9, uh, when he gets to the fruit of the Spirit, what does it say? 
You know, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance. Against such there is no law. You know, there's no laws against temperance. There's no laws against self against self-control. You know why we have many of the laws that we have today? It's because people don't have self-control. That's why we, they make laws is to try to help keep people in control because they're not controlling themselves. That's why cities cities always have more laws than places like Rock Falls and smaller communities. Okay, why, now why? What's the difference? How come Chicago needs so many more gun laws than we do out here? We, there's guns. We have gun stores everywhere out here. Okay, you go out to some of the gun clubs. I mean, there's some of these rednecks out there. They, I mean, they've got so many different guns. And I, I love it. I think it's great. And you know what? We don't, we're not having any shootings going on here, are we? I mean, when was the last time you heard about somebody getting shot? In Rock? Now it happens. When was the last time you heard about somebody getting shot in Sterling and Rock Falls? It's big news when it happens. The last time I remember was the one that happened just right by the school over here. It wasn't a school shooting. It was a domestic dispute, but it happened right in front of the school. That was like eight years ago. That's the last one that, that I remember. And that was, that was a, it was a big deal. You know what they call that in Chicago? You know, Saturday afternoon. All right, that's just that happens every week. Yet they have all these laws. Why? Because the people out there have no temperance. Cities are a wicked place. You go to cities, it is. It's a completely different lifestyle. It's a completely different culture, and I don't like it. And that's why I thank God. You know, we're in a small town, and you know what? We don't need as many laws out here. Why? Because we have well, there's more temperance out here compared to you know these people in the cities that want to live like animals. But a failure to be temperate, it's going to lead to some hor- it's going to lead to some horrible things. I'll close with this. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 18. Deuteronomy 21 and verse 18 says, "If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son." which will not obey the voice of his father or obey or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of the place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, I bring this passage up because this one is so... I mean, the way it is interpreted by Christians is ridiculous. They're always like, you think you ought to stone disobedient children. Um, Did you read what it said here? It said, if you have a stubborn and rebellious son, who when you've chastened him... Okay. Now, here's the thing. It is extremely rare that when you punish your children biblically, that they grow up being a drunkard and a glutton. Okay, because here we have a drunkard and a glutton. Does anybody think this is some 12-year-old kid here? Okay, this is this guy who grew up. His parents, they did. They spanked him. They did the things they were supposed to do. But he grows up and he's a glutton and a drunkard and a good-for-nothing. And they wanted to put evil out of the congregation, so they took him and they stoned him with stones. All right. Now today, what we do, we put him on welfare. Okay. But there, this is not just you know, this is not some little kid sassing his mom and dad, and they take him out and they stone him. Okay. Listen, I've got seven kids. 
Was it, yeah, seven. I'm losing track. Yeah. <laughs> Still getting used to the seven. She's pretty young. And you know what? I, we've never even had to think about <laughs> whether or not... You know, it, listen, train up a child in the way he's going. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, when you chase them like the Bible teaches, and I I do not believe in abuse. There's some nut jobs out there that have books on spanking, and they basically teach you know just leaving whelps and all these things. I do not believe that. Listen, little kids, it doesn't take much to send the right message, and we've I do not believe in abusing kids and just beating the daylights out of them, leaving marks and all that kind of stuff. I do not believe in that. I do not teach that. I am not one of these. Pearls, they have that book. They're they're nut jobs. I do not believe in that. And you know what? So I've got my oldest is 17. Our kids are doing just great. And you know what? We've never had to beat them and abuse them and any of those things. And it's working just fine. It is extremely rare that when a parent actually biblically chasing their kids that they turn out to be a drunkard and a glutton. You say, well, we've got drunkards and gluttons all over this country. Yeah, and we also... In our country, they're not using corporal punishment like the Bible teaches. Okay, so I say all that to say that when you do, when you have a child with no self-control who does not learn any temperance, you know what you have here? You've got somebody that's a notice a drunkard and a glutton. Okay, now we we're seeing an example of these little fat kids that just sit around playing video games all day. Mom is bringing pizza to their room and ice cream and donuts and soda while these kids stuff their faces and play video games all day. How is that chastening your kids? Okay, now, most of these kids turn out to be drunkards and gluttons, don't they? Okay, yeah. So we have a lot of them because nobody's chastening. But this passage here, this is not talking about bringing your little 12, 13, 14, even 15-year-old who sassed his mama and now you're going to stone him. That's just ridiculous. But we do see that when you have a child that you just let to himself, that you do not teach any temperance, that you don't teach him to control his temper, you know what? He is going to be a drain on society. He's going to be the kind that's being the pervert, molesting, that's hurting other people. And the Bible says you need to put evil away from among you. And so that was what they did back then. They never stoned any little kids in the Bible for sassing their mom and dad. that they, they never did it back then. And uh, I don't believe we ought to do it today. But I do think that if you don't teach your children some temperance, that you're going to turn out some horrible people. You better teach them some self-control. You better teach them to control their temper. You better teach them to be nice. You better teach them to say no to things. All these are important. God expects us as Christians to be an example to the world. And I'm afraid we are fitting in way too much with the world. We need to be different and we can do that by practicing temperance. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Help us to uh, follow these things. Lord, help us not to follow the uh, things of the flesh and the lust of the flesh. Help us to be uh, a temperate people uh, that have some self-control so we can be a good example to just a wicked, out-of-control world that needs some good examples. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and